When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey, welcome back. So today I want to start off with a question. So so we all know that this coronavirus and, and this recession that we're in right now, by the way, confirmed as of today, quarter one GDP negative 4.8% in the United States. And something tells me quarter two is going to be much worse. Uh, so we're in a recession, um, maybe begun because of the coronavirus slowdown, but but I would argue that this recession has been long overdue and is going to outlast the coronavirus and 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 its any sense of widespread proliferation in the United States. So so that's where we're at now. And and predictably in the last couple months, the Federal Reserve and the US government and, and by the way this is true for most central governments and central banks around the world uh, the Fed and the federal government have been very active in trying to intervene to to stop a full blown crash, a full blown whatever you want to call it, systemic blow up, uh, mass default, and and we've seen that we've seen that in the Paycheck uh, Protection Program, we've seen that in uh, a balance sheet expansion that already is over over two trillion at least, and counting continues to this day. Uh, we've seen it in in bailouts for large business. We've seen st- stimulus checks. We've, we've seen a lot, and and it's far from over. And, and that's what I want to talk about today. Actually, this question is is how much further will central governments and central banks be willing to go down this path of spending? And money printing. I mean, we, we can get into the nitty gritty of exactly what programs, and, and we will. But but ultimately, all of it can be kind of put into those two categories: increasing debt and monetizing that debt. Or, you know, put a different way, technically, money creation could also be some form of of uh, increasing liquidity in the system. I mean, that is a, an important piece of it in theory, right? Uh, mortgage-backed securities, uh, stocks, corporate bonds, or uh, potentially stocks, but but certainly treasury bonds. Uh, it could be helicopter money, right? Um, and that may, may not be quite the same as monetizing debt. But right now, I maintain that the main purpose of the Fed and their, monetize, uh, their, their QE is monetization of debt, buying up those treasury bonds from the U.S. government. And boy, has there been a lot of extra treasury bonds to, and bills to, to buy up. And, and that's, that trend is going to continue, right? The U.S., you know, the spending policies that they've been put in place has not, I don't think, been fully realized yet in the bond market. There's a stop, still a lot more um, bond issuance that, that will occur over the next, you know, several months related to bills that have already passed, Right. How much further are they willing to go? And, and to some extent, this was inspired, actually, by an article. A quote, um, this article is from Zero Hedge. It's talking about precious metals and, and their premiums and why their premiums are so high because people are, well, scrambling for them as, as sort of a hedge, right? Makes sense. And it was actually a quote at the very end, and this was a quote from Kyle Bass, actually from, 20, from 2011, towards the end of 2011, 
Quote, buying gold is just buying a put against the idiocy of the political cycle. It's that simple. Now, say what you will about Kyle Bass. There is a lot to say about Kyle Bass. Um, I imagine he can be a polarizing figure. However, I think he's spot on on, on why somebody wants to get into gold uh, for for reasons such as these. It's it's a put on the idiocy, idiocy of the political, and I would, I would argue, monetary cycle or monetary policies. So how much further are they willing to go? Let's get into specifics here. So, I mean, we've, as I said, the Fed, we'll start with the Fed. Because the Fed is ultimately what enables the federal government to do any new debt accumulation at this point. Because they're monetizing so much. And they, they have to. I mean, who else is going to buy all of those bonds? They have to buy some amount of them. Or at least, you know, from their perspective, they have to. You and I may feel differently. How much further is the Federal Reserve willing to go? And let's start by talking just numbers. Never mind assets, what types of assets. Uh, let's just start talking numbers. So the Federal Reserve, at its highest, you know, prior to their quantitative tightening program, which they began, uh, if I recall, I guess the end of 2017, it seems like so long ago, um, you know, prior to that, their balance sheet was, you know, just shy, had briefly topped four and a half trillion dollars. Now, for context, prior to the Great Recession, the Fed balance sheet had just been slowly inching up, um, you know, a couple you know, hundred billion a year on that, you know, not exactly, not even that, I don't think. And just prior to the recession, it was sitting around 900 billion, a little over 900 billion in, you know, the summer of 2008. Well, after QE1, it was over 2 trillion. Roughly speaking, it, it dropped below it and above it. I'm just looking at this, by the way, Fed balance sheet from from the St. Louis Fed, the, the Fred um, series or whatever. Uh, so two trillion, and then it inched up, you know, two point three trillion, and then after QE two, it was closer to two point eight trillion, and then after QE three, it we're, we're talking um, four and a half trillion, roughly speaking, a, a massive program following the first two. QE1 and 2, QE3 was was huge, right? Um, and then we had the quantitative tightening. But, but, but if we're just going to focus on the last recession from the beginning of their QE to the end of QE3, the Fed balance sheet increased by, you know, in terms of absolute numbers, roughly $3.5, $3.6 trillion dollars. From those three programs. And that was spread out from roughly uh, September of 2008 through roughly, you know, August or September of 2000. Well, we'll just say September of 2014, just to make it a nice round number. I don't know the exact date that they ended. They might have gone down through October or or December. We'll say so so roughly six-year period. Over a six-year period, they increased it by three and a half trillion just to work with some round numbers here that's in absolute terms in terms of of a percentage increase we're talking about in a roughly you know somebody help me with the math here a 500 percent increase from about 0.9 to 4.5 right that's about a a five percent increase correct uh, a 500 percent increase a five times 
increased, you multiply it by five, right? We'll just start as simple as that, okay? So that's where we're starting for context. And, and again, that was spread out over six years. However, now there was a quantitative tightening, right? The Fed bought their balance sheet as low as, you know, a little over 3.7 trillion, under 3.8 trillion. However, they started QE, you know, not QE4, not too long after. Man, you know, it inched up, inched up back over 4 trillion. And and I want to ignore that quantitative tightening and then not QE4 for a minute here and focus exclusively on the QE that we've had, you know, roughly since we'll say March 4th. Okay, so since March 4th through April 22nd, do the math there, that's, you know, a month and a half. The Fed balance sheet has increased from 4.2, 4.24 trillion to 6.57 trillion. So it's an increase of of roughly 2.3 trillion, over 2.3 trillion in the span of a month and a half. Again, prior to this, we were talking about 3.5 trillion over the span of six years. Now we're talking two point, you know, two point three trillion over the span of six weeks, seven weeks, you know, somewhere in that ballpark. That's massive. That is a massive expansion when you put it in those terms. Prior to this, we were talking about a a percentage increase of five hundred percent over six years. Thus far, we're already at, you know, ballpark numbers, you know, a 50% increase in six weeks, six or seven weeks. That is massive. However, going back to this original topic of how much further will they go, we were talking about a 500% increase in the size of the balance sheet. You multiply it by five. And, and we're nowhere near that, right? We've only multiplied it by 1.5, roughly speaking, so far. What would be a five times increase of the Fed balance sheet from, you know, March of this year? Well, we're, we're talking about a balance sheet, you know, in the ballpark of $21 trillion. Does that sound unreasonable? You know, for the end of 2020, I think that might be a little high. I mean, the Fed is going to have to go bonkers. However, over the next six years, I think that's very reasonable. Over the next four years, I think that's very, very possible, especially if, you know, this recession sticks with us longer than we think it will, especially if, you know, the Fed, uh, the federal government's uh, um, budget problems persist beyond just this year and into next year and the year after. And I'm not talking just, I mean, they've always had budget problems for, for, well, as long as I've been alive for the most part, I think. You know, we had that short surplus under Clinton, but but uh, otherwise, I mean, we were at one to one and a half trillion dollar deficit prior to this, right? And I don't see us somehow moving back into that regime. We're going to be two plus trillion a year from here on out, maybe three, right? So the, the need to monetize that debt is going to be there as well. However, that's not the only thing that the Fed is buying. You know, the Fed bought mortgage-backed securities, continues to buy mortgage-backed securities, that's a significant portion of their balance sheet. But what else? You know, we know now that the Fed has engaged in some level of purchasing of corporate debt, specifically uh, corporate um, corporate bond ETFs. 
And I want to put some numbers to this real quick. In terms of absolute numbers, the Fed has pledged to buy, through their primary and secondary facilities, roughly $750 billion, so three-quarters of a trillion dollars of corporate debt. Now, to date, we don't have a great sense of how much they've actually bought. In fact, their most recent... Um, I think it's the 8.4.1 filing uh, kind of catalog in their recent operations has made no mention of it. And and when questioned further, the Fed's basically said that's not up and running yet, despite the fact that that those markets, the corporate bond markets, have come down in yields, gone up in price quite a bit since then. I mean, why not just buy what the Fed's buying, right? Uh, the Fed actually, it would appear, has not actually bought those assets yet. So their their balance sheet expansion to date has mostly just been their usual, you know, bonds and 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 uh mortgage-backed securities and, and some other, you know, small programs, I'm sure. They haven't even started with their corporate bond pine program, which by the way is up to, you know, gonna be up to $750 billion. And it will be absolutely necessary, you know, from their opinion, from their point of view, absolutely necessary. I don't see a future over the next 12 months where all of a sudden there's a need for for the Fed to not buy corporate bonds somehow disappears. If they thought it was necessary a month ago. Um... Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America NA, member FDIC. It's, it's going to be necessary a month from now. Uh, they just haven't engaged in that, it sounds like, from a, in a, to, to a great extent quite yet. So, you know, you, know, you might ask, why, why is that important? You know, corporate bonds, they're buying mortgage-backed securities. Why not corporate bonds? And, 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 well, the idea behind it is, is similar to the federal government. Why are they buying federal government's debt? Well, monetization of debt, as I said, is is necessary from their point of view. If that doesn't occur, what happens is there's way too many bonds floating out there in the market because the U.S. government is totally responsible with their fiscal policy. And the, the supply is too great at current prices. And so what happens is the price drops, yields go up. And guess what? That makes the situation for the U.S. government even worse because now they're paying a 3 or 4% yield on a 10-year instead of whatever it is right now, probably under 1%, right? Um, they're in bed with government. And, and, you know, I mean, obviously, to some extent, they're sort of a quasi-government organization. Some people would say they're private, but you get what I'm saying. However, it, it's the same concept for corporations the the etfs I, I think they actually can directly buy just debt i don't think they have to buy etf and by the way this is all you know as far as we, i'm concerned illegal um but but i mean that doesn't that's never really you know come into consideration i think for the fed um in times of crisis they're going to do stuff and people will let them right uh so it's a similar story they're they're buying the bonds of corporations which have largely been you know, irresponsible with their money. I mean, d- does a corporation have to save enough money and really pay down debt enough to always be ready for something on the scale of a you know, coronavirus-driven massive recession? Um, well, I mean, it's up to that board. It's up to that company. It's, it's up to their shareholders to decide if they want to hold those shares, 
right? And of a company that doesn't do that. The the problem here is is moral. It's a question of moral hazard. Ultimately, it's a big part of it. In that, why would you? Why would you not go out and borrow more money? Hey, maybe even use some of that borrowed money to buy back your own stock, drive up the share price, enrich shareholders, executives, etc. Um, why wouldn't you expand operations? Why wouldn't you spend, spend, spend if you know that the Fed is going to sort of bail you out? Now, this is different from a bailout. But again, is the Fed bailing out the federal government? Well, they're not at this point directly giving their money, but they're monetizing that debt. They're keeping yields low. They're being that buyer of, of last resort. And that's exactly what they're doing for the corporate bond market right now. They're being that buyer of last resort. Moral hazard. It, it, it encourages companies to act in a non-prudent manner. And those that have low debt and have a good balance sheet and are prepared to weather this type of a storm, well, they get nothing. Right? They're just, you know, what what small amount of debt maybe that's gonna that they have is maybe gonna get bought up by the Fed on the open market or whatever. And but I mean it's it doesn't matter to them. The interest rate doesn't have a whole lot of bearing on their business because they don't borrow a whole lot of money, right? Their debt is low. Finally, there's stocks, and I don't even need to feel the need to explain to why many of you, many of you guys, why this, why the Fed printing money to buy stocks is a bad idea. I mean, this is just flat out um, inflationary. This is this is in line with with their stated or unstated. Um, outcome of of enriching the wealthy i mean ultimately what they're doing is they're printing money they're debasing the currency to to buy stocks which are predominantly held by the top you know 10 percent, the top one percent of the economy of the of society of individuals right so inflation is going to eat away at the wages and and, and it's going to cause an increase in rent and healthcare and and, and uh food and fuel and everything else for the average american for the middle class, for the working class, etc. But then the 1%, the 10% are primarily going to be those that benefit from from the higher stock prices as a result of the Fed buying stocks. Now, that's kind of the question here. That's that's kind of the last, one of the last areas for the Fed to ultimately go is, will they buy stocks? Now, there, I should say, there's two you know more areas that the Fed can still go, though. Um, there's direct monetization of debt. This is where instead of the the federal government, you know, going through the, um, how should I put it, the, the ritual, going through the motions of, of, you know, issuing bonds only for the Fed to buy them all up, which, by the way, helps the banks. Um, they could, because, I mean, in the, ultimately, a lot of times it's the banks as a primary dealer that's buying these bonds, and then, and then the Fed's buying them from the bonds, or from the banks. What they could do is they could go uh, direct monetization of debt, um, where they're just giving the, the the government money, right? Uh, they're not buying bonds, right? They're just giving them money. They're writing a check to the treasury and, and they're skipping that other step. Now it's one potential way that they could go. Um, another potential uh, policy that the Fed could engage in is uh, helicopter money. And, and some would argue that helicopter money is what's happening right now. I mean, it's again, it's going through extra steps. If the government is issuing debt to deliver helicopter money through stimulus checks and the Fed is then buying that debt through QE, 
it's almost like the Fed's doing it, but it's something that the Fed could engage in in the future. Print money, send out checks, maybe with the help of the IRS. I mean, that's why I'm I'm not convinced that it may happen exactly like that. It may be may continue to be the case that the federal government will be what's what's sending out checks, and the Fed is just going to monetize it, right? But but it's the federal government is such, you know. Trump or Mnuchin or whoever that's going to be signing these checks and not Powell or, or whoever's the next chair. So that's the Fed. That's the Fed side of thing. Are you guys with me here? And and you guys can, I hope, understand and, and relate this to precious metals. Why why precious metals could, could view this as such a bullish series of events? If we're talking about a balance sheet expansion um, to, to $21 trillion, over four years, over six years, whatever the time period you want to make, I mean that's that's pretty darn bullish for precious metals. If we're talking about monetization of debt and corporate bond and stock purchases and what, I mean that's that's how to debase your currency 101 ultimately. But let's move to the political side of things because the political side is is a little bit more nuanced and and. And broader, I think. Um, there's there's a lot. So, I mean, right now, what what is the federal government engaging in? Various aid programs. There's there's been smaller scale bailouts for for you know airlines. Now I'm reading, I think, meat packers for um, for individuals in the form of stimulus checks. There's paycheck protection program, which is loans that I believe don't have to be paid back. You know, there there's been pretty wide scale bailouts to the tune of, of several trillion dollars, bailouts and, and aid programs, etc. In just the last couple months, I don't have a tally of all of it right now, but it's several several trillion dollars. And you know, even just a day or two ago, you know, government uh, the Congress approved another bill, um, just shy of I think five trillion or sorry five hundred billion. Uh, to to expand, I think the the PPP program, right? So how much further will the federal government have to go? Now this one, I think, like the Fed, could be a little bit more drawn out, and we're not just going to see it all happen in May of May and June of this year. This is something that's been more drawn out over the next couple of years, but ultimately, a lot of it is going to be because of what's happening right now to the economy and what will continue to happen to the economy. I think for for several years. Right now, we're seeing stimulus checks. There is talk in government of beginning something that looks a heck of a lot like UBI. You know, there's certain parts of the left that would be very much in favor of UBI. And of course, UBI is universal basic income. It's where the government sends out a check to every American, probably making under a certain amount, each month. And that stimulates the economy somehow, right? Um, It's like a stimulus check that that, that many of us got, but... But every single month of the year, uh, regardless if you work or not, regardless of whether there's a massive government shutdown or, or, or not government shutdown, but but a shutdown to the economy or not, right? Uh, so UBI is something that's potentially now politically speaking, I I'm not convinced the will is there. I, I think we're going to see more stimulus checks. Don't get me wrong, full blown UBI open ended stimulus checks, as far as the eye can see. I think we're a ways away from that, at least a year. Because right now, I think this is still a bit more of a fringe idea on the left. And, you know, I'm talking like AOC and, and, you know, that part of the left. And 
before this would happen, we we would probably need the election to occur, and and then see what happens after that. Now, I I don't want to go out on a limb and say that this isn't something Trump would do. I, I think it absolutely would be something that Trump would do if he felt it would be necessary to to you know maybe Kudlow talks him into it, or maybe he would feel it's necessary for his own political. Um, power, whatever. Um, I wouldn't put it past him. However, you know, if we, you know, if we get Biden in the White House, and and you know, let's say Democrats retake the Senate and and the House, and well, I mean, then it becomes much much more likely. So so UBI is definitely on the list of potential programs, but it gets uh, worse than that. You know, I think. In the next six to twelve months, there's going to be larger scale bailout programs for corporations, um, and it's not just going to be this paycheck protection pro- uh, program for for small businesses. I think a big business is going to get quite a bailout, a larger bailout than what they've already received. Banks, I think, will be on that list. Um, banks are struggling, are going to be struggling, um, and that's fine in my book. Um, but uh, obviously, the whole "too big to fail," etc., will come up and. And they're going to get a bailout. The Fed will be involved, in it, I'm sure. But but the U.S. government, I'm sure, will too. I mean, right now, what banks are dealing with is a huge amount of of loans that are owed to them that are going to be defaulted on. All right, and and that's it's a massive. Um, it's going to be a massive number, much larger than than what they've set aside or what they're expecting at this point in time. All right, so that's one problem that the Fed is dealing with, or that that. that corporate America is going to be dealing with, but but other corporations too are going to probably be deemed, you know, too big to fail. It's not just going to be the airline industry. It's going to be the auto industry. It's going to be the hospitality industry and hotels and, and restaurants and, and food and whatever. I mean, you name it, it's got a good chance of getting a bailout. I think the political will for the next six to 12 months will be there, right? And these, you guys remember what these bailouts were in terms of scale back in you know, 2008, 2009. These are going to be trillion-dollar events, these bailouts. Now we get into the conversation here of, of how many people are going to be upset about that and, and kind of saying, well, I mean, do they deserve that? Or, I mean, is this just kind of corrupt? I mean, the government's just handing out money to them. The difference, though, I think, is that, generally speaking... People, I think, you know, the working class, the middle class, etc., will shut up about the issue, to put it bluntly, if they get something too. Even if the scale of what they're getting is much smaller, probably, than what, the, than what these corporations are getting, they'll be fine with it. What I mean by that is if corporate America gets a $2 trillion bailout over the next 12 months, people are going to be up in arms about it, unless... They get, you know, stimulus checks unless they get this or that, you know, whatever. But that's, you know, one to two trillion dollars. I think that's what it's going to amount to over the next year. That's a corporate bailout side of things. In addition to what we already have. I mean, some corporate bailouts have already occurred, bailouts of some sectors. And of course, there's the PPP, which is small business. Still, some of them are corporations, but but it's going to expand in one to two trillion. And 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 believe me, we're just getting started here. Where are you know UBI, corporate bailouts, stimulus checks, but there's more. How about student loan debt? Is that going to get? At Evernorth Health Services. 
We believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care, and we're doing everything in our power to make it possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best? It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line? It's possible. Complex specialty care that cares about your ROI? It's possible. Because we're already doing it. All while saving businesses billions. That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com slash wonder. Again, this is kind of in the topic more so of political will and, and left versus right politics. The left would be more than happy to do this. The far left. I'm not convinced um, somebody like maybe, in Elizabeth, I don't know what Elizabeth Warren's state, uh, what her stance is on it, but, but somebody that's maybe a little bit more center left, I don't know what they're, you know, I don't know what Schumer in particular is, or Pelosi would think of this, but certainly much of the left and some of the right probably would be in favor of forgiving student loans. Now, again, we get to this topic of, well, they get something. How come I don't get something? And, I, and I've seen this argument that for those that have already paid off their loans, what I mean, how much, let's say you have a whole pile of student loan debt and you finish paying it off and the very next day, everybody else that owns student loans gets theirs paid off. That's one of the potential problems here. Now, the difference comparing compared to, to corporate debt is that this isn't corporate America that's going to bail out. It's it's people that, um, you know, it's it's people's um, siblings and, and parents and children, etc. And, and they may not feel as emotionally negative towards it, but believe me, it's it's still gonna it's still going to um, rile some people up unless you know they get something as well. I don't know. I don't know what that's going to look like ultimately. But some forgiveness, some reduction of that, that, that's going to, I mean, the student loans, I, I would guess anywhere from one and a half to two trillion dollars is what's, I think, owed to the federal government right now in terms of student loan debt. I think the total, uh, this is for probably a year or two old now, was 1.7 trillion, but I don't know how much of that is private debt versus owed to the federal government. But again, you know, if that's forgiven over the next, let's say, four years, that's you know, adding to the debt. But again, what's going to be one and a half trillion after, you know, four years from now, three years from now. But, but that's something that could come up. Very popular in some circles, certainly very popular on the left. But again, this isn't something I would put past Trump or the right to, to help out on for, for reason of, I mean, I'll just put it bluntly to get votes. Who cares about principles? Let's just get votes. Let's just, you know, make people happy. Well, what else possibly could be added to this litany of things that the federal government and the Federal Reserve could potentially do over the coming years? Well, yeah, there's more. What about states and cities? Now, to some extent, the, the Federal Reserve, I believe, is buying bonds from like municipal bonds for, for cities. And, and potentially they could buy debt from states, counties. I, I don't know all the details of it, but, but specifically cities, I'm not sure if they're buying any county debt. Um, but, but they're already doing that. I don't think that's going to be enough, though, when this is all said and done. I think across the board, states, cities, counties are going to be in the same boat as the federal government in the sense that taxes are going to be down because of all this. Whether we're talking about capital gains or consumption because of capital gain, because of investments over the stock market doing well. And then, of course, just lower payroll tax, lower sales tax, all of that is going to be down significantly. And for the federal government, again, they can 
They can borrow and the Fed can print it. But for states and cities and counties, it's not that easy. And these budget shortfalls are going to be massive. And I think ultimately, yeah, bailout's going to happen. Now, is it going to be in the next six to 12 months? It's hard to say. I don't know. But it's going to happen, I think, ultimately at some point. And it's going to, again, amount to probably trillions of dollars. This It's so hard to say. What what will this look like? Especially, you know, left versus right divide. I mean, you know, Trump is, is talking again about how maybe some states haven't been very well managed as of late. And maybe they shouldn't receive bailout, bailout um, funds, states or cities. Or, you know, would he be more willing to give money to... You know, pick your, you know, Kentucky than he would to Illinois or California. I I don't know. And maybe this is something that's going to have to wait until after the election. Right? But it's going to happen, I believe, because it's they're going to run to the same problem as if the Fed didn't step into the corporate bond market or the treasury bond market or the mortgage-backed security market or whatever, or if the U.S. government didn't step in and do paycheck protection program or stimulus checks those would all been acceptable choices i believe to not do those things but had they not done that they would have run the risk of even broader crisis social unrest um and and systemic risk and and i think the same is gonna be true for cities and states i mean you're gonna have cities and states i think forced with it the prospect of filing for bankruptcy and it's not just gonna be one state here one state there there's going to be some states, some cities that have been well-managed that will still be caught up in this. It's going to be a bailout. And in addition to that, guess what else cities and states have to deal with? Not only is their own budget shortfall going to suck over the coming years, but many of them most have these massive, bloated, underfunded pension systems to deal with that are going to be made much worse by all this. Because guess what? Pensions... Pension funds, a good chunk of what they own are stocks. Well, you might say stock market actually has recovered a fair bit. Well, what about things like commercial real estate or private equity, foreign stocks? I mean, those things are maybe not recovering as well. And those things are owned pretty broadly by pension funds. I mean, the only other category that may not be known as poorly is, is treasury bonds. And and their yield is negligible compared to what what these these uh, pensions need, right? And so pensions, I mean, that's going to be another multi-trillion dollar bailout that we can expect over the coming years. When you add this all together, you you can see why some people are concerned. I mean, you're you're starting from this base case of the federal government for let's say fiscal year twenty twenty one. You know, starting I think September of this year, uh, a base case of two trillion, right? Let's say they get a whole bunch of bailouts, everything or whatever, out of the way by, you know, September of this year, and and you're starting at a two trillion because of a decrease in taxes and maybe a little bit higher cost to finance debt. I don't know. I mean, rates have been low. Okay, two trillion. That's still massive. But then you add on to that. You know, $2 trillion over four years, let's say it increases a little bit, and we get to 9 or 10 let's say, say $10 trillion under that base case, in four years. We're talking about a debt north of, you know, $33, $34 trillion probably then. And that's just the base case. But, as I said, you can add in there potentially, 
a trillion, trillion and a half for, for student loans. You can add to that, you know, one to two trillion dollars for the first, you know, or I should say another round for, for bailout of, of corporate America. You can add to that uh, another half to, to one trillion for, for stimulus checks or short term UBI or something along those lines. Some, is somebody keeping count here? I'm not. Um, bailout for states and cities, including their pension funds potentially. We're talking about, I'll start out there for the next four years, an extra five trillion. That could be much, much higher than that, by the way. Um, and then you you know you add to that uh, you know bailout for for you know uh, small business again or or increased funding for this so that, I mean before you know it we're looking at four years from now to the national debt being north of forty trillion dollars and and what is the alternative these problems aren't going to fix themselves I think you know personally they should be allowed to run their course but the alternative is. Let cities and states file for bankruptcy? Well, maybe, yeah. But but that's not going to be a politically acceptable thing to do, I think, on a, a broader scale. Um, the alternative is for students to have to continue to pay debt despite entering the workforce or being in the workforce and maybe one of the worst job markets in, in the history of the United States. Well, yeah, maybe they should have to, but is that going to be a politically acceptable thing to do? How about bailing out corporate America? I mean, you could let corporate America fail. You could let banks fail. That's not going to be politically acceptable but from their point of view. So they, they can bail them out. But then, again, you're going to have that outcry from from middle class and working class and whatnot saying, what about us? And, well, are you going to not bail them out, especially when they're going to be in dire financial situation as well? No, they're going to get a bailout as well. Right? I mean, on are, are you going to let pensions fail? No, they're going to get a bailout, right? Because these are all very, um, you run into two problems, three problems. I'll I'll put this into three categories. You have A, political risk. The political risk of not bailing out a city, a pension fund, a bank, whatever, and being seen as just not active enough, letting something like that fail, despite the fact that they've already set the precedent of saving a ton of other things, okay? That's problem number one. Problem number two is systemic risk. A bank fails, you blow up the financial system then, right? Um, and, and that's the case for a lot of these things. You know, if if small businesses go out of business left and right, if individuals default on their their own loans, mortgages, car loans, etc., left and right, you know, you, you run into a systemic risk problem. Why not just take on those obligations at the federal government level versus worrying about that? systemic risk problem. And then there's just broader drain on the economy. The broader drain on an economy, if a pension is about to go belly up or goes belly up or has to cut um, cut benefits or increase taxes, the broader strain on the economy because people don't have money to pay their bills or consume above and beyond their, their current standard of living or whatever, right? You can fix all of those short-term by just borrowing and giving them money, right? Those are the three big things. So the political problem, the systemic risk problem, and the the, the strain on the economy. And like I said, over the next four years, all of those things I think are, are almost unavoidable bridges that the government will have to cross. And, and my faith in either the left or the right to decide 
no, we're not going to cross that bridge into student loan forgiveness or UBI or massive bank and corporate bailouts or state and city and county and pension bailouts or whatever. My confidence in that is understandably extremely low because they've set a precedent and and I think they're going to continue to follow it as long as the need from those three criteria are, are still there. And And again, when I'm talking about a debt... North of forty trillion come twenty twenty four. I think you can understand why the Fed balance sheet may have to increase by you know sixteen trillion, sixteen plus trillion dollars over the coming um, four years, six years, whatever, if not more, right? And in fact, twenty one trillion might seem pretty small four years from now that might not be large enough crazy times we live in as always though i'd like to thank every one of you from the bottom of my heart for tuning in to today's podcast and god bless